So, oops. All right, so I brought a source last time. I did not um, recopy the source sheets. So, I'm just looking at these are not spares, no. Okay. Um, maybe there's one. Okay. Is this a duplicate? Yep, one left. Okay, <laughs> um, so last time we cited the Balhaturim. I'll just use that as our introduction for this time, which is source Dalit on that old source sheet. The Balhaturim says that the, in the end of Ayichi, or the middle of Ayichi, Vayikra Yaakov Abanov. Yaakov called to his sons, Shebikesh, <coughs> he sought Legalos Lahem Hakates to reveal to them the end, Venistami Menu, and that was hidden from him. Amr Yaakov, Yaakov said, Maybe you have a sin in you. Amrulo, they said to him, Check in our names, and you will not find in them the letters Ches and Tes. And he said to them, Also in your names, I don't see the letters Kuf and Sadik. Meaning, that's not necessarily, that no longer is a criticism. I'm not worried there's something wrong with you. I just see that's, that's not part of the life, is living a life where you have Kate's revealed. So Kate's is not there, and instead it's going to be a different process. And that process is described more over here in the Dvarm Rabbah, which was source Gimel, which describes another aspect of that conversation. Where the, what the, this is the conversation that the Baal Haturim described using the letters. Okay? So the conversation was... And is brought by the Medrash in answering the question, How do the Jewish people merit to say Kriyashma? Which, you know, is a much healthier attitude in general. That's what we sort of strive to in our davening, is instead of feeling like, oh, I got a daven, right? Like, how did I ever deserve to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, what a wondrous thing it is that I can focus inward on all the bits of me and somehow recruit them and, and align them all into that unified sense of mission and speaking to Hashem and knowing that he is imminently present and in conversation with me. How did we merit this? Mishasha Nata Yaakov Lamisa, when Yaakov came toward his deathbed, he called to all the tribes and said to them, Shema Do I have to worry that after I die, you may start to worship other forces. Minayan, as it says, Gather together and listen, children of Yaakov. So what's the addition of listen to Yisrael, your father? He said to them, the Lord of Israel, that is your father. Amrulo, they said to him, Listen, Yisrael, meaning our father Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hashem is our God, and Hashem is only one. And he answered in a whisper, Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. That this is still true for us, even yet today. Okay. Okay. So... Now I'm going to read you a different thing in the Medrash of Tavarim. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. 
Adam Yisrael, Shakara Kriyashma, a person of the Jewish people who reads Kriyashma, below Diktik Beosiosaha, and is not careful, meticulous in the letters. Mau, what's the situ- What do we have here? Shiyatsa Yitechovaso, Kachshinu Chachamim. He has fulfilled his obligation. That's what the Chachamim have taught. Okay. So I introduced with the other piece just because there's something very, I'd say like intriguing and satisfying, even if I don't know exactly, you know, when you smell something, it reminds you of something else and you can't quite put your finger on what it is. There's something happening over here where it's so important that we pay attention to the details of the letters. It's that diktik seha, and that is the language that the Balaturim used when he said that, when he describes the Shvatim saying to Yaakov, Tidaktik Bishmosenu, like be meticulous with the letters of our names. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that in fact, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Ein Belibchael Echad. There's in your heart only one God, your total, and your heart is only one in service of God, right? That was Rav Hirsch, right? Strive to reach this one at the very bottom on the back. Strive to reach this one and be in your heart as your God is. Be one in your heart as your God is one. Like your heart is totally unified toward Hashem who is only one. And that's true for us in our hearts as well. Right? And that you will see if you are meticulous at looking at the letters. And there's something very evocative about the fact that we see elsewhere. What's the halacha if you read Kriyashma and you were not meticulous in the letters? you can kind of just pick up this sense that <clears throat> if you want to see what's really inside of us, you're going you're gonna to carefully look at every letter of who, what's in your heart, what's in your name, like your shame, which is the shorsh of the word neshama, right? It's who you are on the inside and what you bring into the world and what you light into the world. So then if you're saying shema, then you're going to be really careful with the letters because you're revealing Hashem into the world, there's something very, very interesting happening there. Not that I know what it is. If someone were not so particular, he still could be fulfill his obligation of saying Shema twice a day, even if he ran through it, which is very, very fortunate for a lot of people. Um, I, I raised kids in Israel, right? So they learn to read very correctly. So they start the first paragraph of Shema with, Okay, that's how you pronounce that word, and it means, and you shall love. And then we moved here, and some of the younger kids in particular, they want to fit in. And they hear all their classmates saying, Now, means, and you loved. It's past tense. So there's a little bit of a problem with that, because <laughs> it's not just that you sound a little funny to the trained ear, it's that you actually just changed the meaning of the word, and it's past tense, and the whole point of it is that it is tying to you now and going forward. Not like once upon a time you loved Hashem. You know, like that's also nice, but it's not anything to do with a commandment that we have over here. So it is really important, right? So it's very reassuring that there is at least an opinion <laughs> that would tell us that we could be okay if we're, or at least we've done the mitzvah. We haven't just gone our whole lives without saying the, the, the Shema properly. Someone who reads and is not meticulous with the letters. I'm sorry, I don't have the source in here. Rav Yossi Omer. Rav Yossi said, Yotza. He's, he's Yotze. He, he did the mitzvah. 
Rabbi Yehuda Omer lo yatsa. Rabbi Yehuda says, and we count on Rabbi Yehuda for all kinds of things, like you could say Shema all the way through the day, through the night, okay? Lo yatsa. He did not fulfill the obligation. Ve'ezehu dikduk osios. So what are we talking about when we say meticulous with the letters? Lamdunu rabosenu. The Chachamim have taught us. Bechol levavachem. When you have the words, for example, bechol levavachem. Do you want a sitter? Sorry. I mean, thank God we're all pretty familiar with the words. There's one if you want. Bechol levavachem. With all your hearts. Tzarech lafrish bein lamed lelamed. That's a case. Okay, it's the same thing with like bechol levavcha. Okay, you're supposed to bechol levavcha. Make sure that you said both lamets. That's called diktuk ba'osios, as opposed to bechalavavcha, which is the kind of natural way it would flow out, where there's one lamid serving both words, just because it's easier for the tongue. Tzarech lahavrish bein lamid lamid va'avadatem meheira. You will quickly be destroyed. Tzarech lahavrish bein mem lamem. You have to separate between one mem and the next mem. V'amar Rav Yehuda b'shem Rav. Rav Yehuda taught in the shame of Rav. V'imhaya kore eshma umahalech. One who is... Uh, reading Shema, one who is walking along while he's davening and it's time to say Shema, he should keep on standing. He shouldn't davka sit down. And what is called accepting Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Those words, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, that we already pretty much know. Okay. Um, this Mishnah Bura I didn't find yet, so we'll leave it for the moment. Okay. So now I'm just going to read a quick rundown from Abu Darham, who gives a lot of examples of what is the dikduk in osios. So this is like a different, different shear, like very practical, right? Elohim hadvarim shetzarech adam lizar b'hem b'kriyashma. Abu Darham in Chav Beis Chav Gimel on Hilchas Tefila. Tzarech shiargish yud shal shma Yisrael shalotivala. You have to be able to feel the yud of shma Yisrael that shouldn't get swallowed, because when you say shma Yisrael. It's easy for the yud to get swallowed up in the ayin before it. V'tzarech lahafsik ma'at, you should also pause briefly, bein echod, from the word echod at the end of Shema Yisrael HaShem HaKin HaShem Echad, levaruch, to baruch shem kivod machuso, kid'amr b'psachim, as is indicated in the Gemara and Psachim in the parak of Makom Shanagu, where it talks about six things that the people of Yericho did, and one of them was sorsim es shema. They, uh, they castrated their shema. They, they chopped off their Shema. It was cut off. Hey, how did they do that? Amar Rav Yehuda, the Gemara says over there, that Rav Yehuda taught that their, their cutting off of Shema, their amputation of Shema was that they would say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad Hayu Mafsikin. They would say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad without any pause. And Rashi says, Shalo Hayu Mafsikin Bein Echad Levaruch. What, what the Gemara is telling us is that the people of Yericho made a mistake. They wouldn't pause between the word Echad and the Baruch Shem Kvod Machusa. They would let it run together. Mashma, which indicates the Shitzarach Lahasik, that you actually do have to make a pause there. It should be noted, Avu Daham says that Tosfos says, it says that their pause was, they didn't pause between the words Shema Yisrael and Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, which would indicate that that's where the pause has to go. So it's, it's a kind of um, accustoming your tongue to the grammar of it, which helps if we understand the words so that we're actually thinking about, so that the grammar matches what we're trying to say. So we're saying, Shema Yisrael, comma, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. That would be the half sick, is putting a comma in there. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. So it's not Shema Yisrael Hashem, because that could cause, he, he says it in a more expanded form, 
He says that could cause it to sound like it could be read either way. Shema Yisrael Hashem, like Hashem should listen to the Jewish people. It, it blurs the meaning, okay? Or it's that you have to pause after that Pasuk and the Pasuk of Baruch Shem. Okay, so we got to have a pause between Echad and Baruch. We probably should have some kind of pause, ideally, like a comma between Shema Yisrael and Hashem Okeinu Hashem Echad. Le'olam va'ed and ve'ohavta. There's supposed to be a small pause there. I think that's also because the Baruch Shem is an insertion. We'll get to that when we get to Baruch Shem. But Baruch Shem called Machuso doesn't run together. Whereas Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu and Ve'ohavta do in the Torah. You have to feel, lahargish. you should be able to tell that there's a Yud in Ve'hayu Hadvarim Ha'ela. Um, we said the other, the other one to feel is in the word Shema Yisrael. Um, he said to be careful also this is these are the more grammatical ones again, like the commas between Asher Anochi Metzavcha Hayom Al Levavecha. You need a little pause there so that it doesn't come out sounding like Asher Anochi Metzavcha Hayom Al Levavecha. That I command you today, it should be on your heart and not tomorrow. It should be the mitzvahs that I command you today, Al Levavecha, should be on your heart. Okay, you have the same thing later in Shema. Asher anochi mitzava eschem hayom la'ahavos Hashem elokecha elokechem that I command you today to love Hashem your God. It's not that I am commanding you today to love Hashem your God. Is I'm commanding you today to love Hashem your God. But tzarech l'seis revach, you have to give a little bit of space. Bechol teva shetchilasa kesov ha'ol shelfanecha. And give a little pause in any place where you have the same letter at the beginning of a word as was the end of the prior word. So he lists. Bechol levavcha. Al levavecha. Bechol levavchem. Some sedorim actually put a little vertical line. Maybe the art scroll puts a little vertical line that's supposed to visually remind you to give a separation there. Yeah. Esev v'sodcha. Va'avadatem mehera. Al levavchem. Hakanaf pesil. Which is an interesting one because we don't say the fa and the pa the same, but it seems like they could run together because they're both fe or pe. Eschem me'eretz, right? I took you out of the land of Mitzrayim. And we also have to stop anywhere. You need a pause wherever there's an aleph after a mem because you can lose the aleph. Vilimadatem osam. Otherwise, it sounds like vilimadatem mosam, which is not actually a word. Vesamtem es. Ukshartem osam or isem oso bechara af, which is not a mem, but I guess is a possible lost aleph. And also lahatis. Lahatis means to to vibrate, to buzz, to buzz the Zion. You've probably heard this one if you go to shul. There's always like the one man in shul who's like an enthusiastic buzzer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Shall <laughs> uzchartem. Okay, but it's actually there. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to let everyone else hear you. Uzachartem shalo it so that it shouldn't um it shouldn't sound like a samech. Uzchartem. Okay, which would change the meaning. And the same thing with Laman Tizkiru rather than Tizkiru, which could sound like either being drunk or earning money or profiting. And Ani Hashem Elokechem. MS is another mem with an olive. Okay. Um, okay. 
I, oh, this is out of order then. You know what? I, I changed the order, but I'm gonna change it back. Move this up here. This is for the pronunciation. I did not have time to type this over. So this is the one I gave out last time. You're welcome to have it again if you want. And this is my notes, <laughs> just straight out of the notebook. Like, it's the same thing, just that in the handout, I kind of like consolidated it down into something more useful, and this is the expanded form. Okay, so this is about pronouncing the word echad specifically, and this is summarized from Rav Schwab on prayer, page 316. Okay, so the word echad. We have an aleph, a ches, and a dalid. So let's go from right column to left column. Okay, so the right column. On the word aleph, which on the letter aleph of echad, the letter aleph, if we visualize the letter aleph, you could technically look at it in a sitter. The usual minog is to have your eyes closed and covered so long as you actually know them. But that means you now have to create a visual in your head, which is worth doing, especially for the word echad. It's hard to keep that up in all of your davening, but for the word echad, it's worthwhile. Echad, when you see an aleph, you see a number one. Achtus pshuta. He says this is simple unity, which is incomprehensible. Simple meaning not simplistic. Simple meaning like the purest distilled form. Distilled is not even the right term over here. The purest form of unity. Therefore, it is a concept upon which we cannot dwell. Right? We quoted that last time from the Ramchal. Therefore, we don't dwell upon or extend the Aleph. Because we're not going to dwell upon the concept too long, we're not going to dwell upon the letter too long. However, it should be said properly, not so quickly as to miss the sound altogether. We're not trying to skip it. We just don't dwell upon it. But that is a sense of awe, right? I'm I go straight to the ha, sort of, because I visualize that oneness, that one, the number one, and that's too much for me. I don't know what to do with that, okay? That is a reference to the absolute unity. This is the left column, kind of the summary of it. It refers to the absolute unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not comprehensible. It is achtos pshuta. It's not divisible like a math one. You can't cut it into smaller pieces. Okay, so that on this handout, I did as the, the letter one over the aleph, but the aleph is not extended at all. Right, the, the other letters, I kind of drew them out. The ches a little bigger and the dal bigger. But okay, that's to remind me to extend the time I think about that, that there's something I need to spend time on. And that should be heard in my words as well. Okay, The ches, which is the number eight. Pronounced with a slight lingering sound. It shouldn't sound like a ch with a shva. It should sound like a cha with a kamatz. And we said the Vilna Gaon, Paskin, that the kavanos, even for the aleph and the ches, you should have in the dalid. But you can have them in the ches because we can't extend our dalid the way we say it. And that this tells us that we can do the thinking even after saying the letter. So like if you realize, oh, I... I finished saying the ches, and I'm still working on the thought of ches. It's okay, according to the Gra. Some post can disagree, but according to the Gra, that's okay, and we're in good hands with him. 
Okay, so we have a slight lingering on the cha, Hashem Echad, to express the ineffable, inexplicable concept of Hashem's oneness that we can't really contemplate, the oneness itself. But it comes down to us through seven rikiyim, seven layers, seven curtains, seven, seven gateways that are between here and heaven, so to speak. The revelation of Hashem is always described as passing through these seven layers. We, we said this, I think it was before you came, like a week or two before you came, we had this conversation. So the lingering on the ches is also evocative of that process. There's a it takes time for it to happen. So I have an olive, I have a oneness. I don't really know the nature of that, but it comes down through, you know, like through one of these like passages back and forth, working its way down through these seven rakim, that's a process of sevenness. That's a process, the one and the seven, that's my eight. So the seven rakim is starting on the aleph. So the ches takes on from the aleph and then brings it down to a level I can contemplate, literally. So that is a referral to the relationship of Hashem with our world. <clears throat> with Echad, there's no even concept of our world having an existence. It's very enod movado. Sorry. We have these nifty high-tech sensors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know we're in the room. Okay. It's more the enod movado, and it, it's difficult to, nothing to, that we ourselves can grasp onto there without any degree of physicality. The ches is the relationship of Hashem with our world. So already there's a revelation into the world of the more tangible, whether it's physical or intellectual or spiritual, somewhere where we could begin to get some kind of grasp about it. <clears throat> this is known, this concept of ches being one plus seven, meaning the number eight expresses a oneness that is way above and beyond a sevenness that is the natural world totally created and guided by Hashem. This is how the Maharal always will take it. I don't have that here in the notes, but maybe it's worth referencing. Whenever we have the number seven, that is an, that is a, an understanding or an appreciation of, of the world is created by Hashem. There is a creator. So there's a holiness, there's a kedusha to the world, to the natural world, right? One of the ways we could recognize Hashem, the Rambam says, is by looking at the natural world. That's what Avram Avinu did. That's the concept of seven days of Barashas. So whenever you see the number seven, that's what it's talking about. It's kedusha, but it's a kedusha. It's a kedusha that is within the natural world, recognizing that the natural world is not just physical. It has a spiritual component to it as well. Okay. That, is, that sevenness is really the way mankind as a group is meant to relate to the world and to Hashem. Rav Hirsch has a whole awesome take on the people of the time of the Migdal Bavel seeking to live a life of six, meaning creation, just the six days of the creation with no Shabbos, to relate to the world just as a purely physical world and not have to relate to God at all as the creator. No... no, no no appreciation of the spiritual side of the physical world. Okay, that, that causes humanity to be in serious trouble. If not for the fact that Avram Avinu was there, 
was, was alive already and striving toward recognizing Hashem, you would have had nothing left that would make this world have enough reason to survive. Okay, that, there's a concept above seven, which is eight. Eightness is seven taken to a whole new level. So there's two directions that goes. There's a, a top down and a bottom up, as with all good relationship things, right? It goes both ways. So in the, in the bottom up, that's the role of the Jewish people. That's the role that Avram Avinu takes on. It's all the things that we were supposed to do with seven, yet taking it to a whole new level of the supernatural. So it is the supernatural. That would be like a Hanukkah shir, right? That's like the supernatural that is way over and above the natural. It's not just a natural world created by Hashem when we recognize the holiness in that. There's somebody who's way above and beyond the natural world who's created it and who can do what he wants with it. And there's a whole reality above and beyond that natural world. So eight is representative of the role of the Jewish people. It's Hanukkah, it's Brismila, a lot of places. In the top down, it's also eight. That is always one plus seven. See, the real eightness is seven plus one because it means you have the natural cycles that go round and around. But instead of just going around and around, you move up. You move up a level. So it's always seven plus one, not just, okay, you count Sfirasa Omer, you move up another week each time. You don't keep counting the weeks around and around. That's the word us. So the word us, like us yashir Moshe, where there's like a, a reference there to the world to come. Us, then in the future it will happen, right? That's the us is the one and seven. One and seven is really what eight means. It's one and seven. It's not like four plus four and five plus three and six plus two. It's seven and one. Okay, that's what we have over here. We have an us. It's called echad rochev al shiva, one that rides upon seven. And I'm sure it means a lot more things than that that I have no idea about because that's like a Kabbalah concept. But one riding on seven where we have one, that's Hashem is one. And then that comes down in seven and that gives me an eight. And the eightness is something I can relate to Relating to the fact that there's a supernatural there. The Dalid. This is pronounced with lingering emphasis by holding one's tongue against his upper teeth. Now, this is Echad. I don't know what to tell you. This is what Rav Schwab said. (laughs) He said, it shouldn't sound like there's a Nikud under it, though. It shouldn't sound like De. So you can't say Hashem Echad to try and that doesn't work. So I don't know what to tell you. Do your best for that. You should concentrate on the thought that you, you know, the truth is I'm going to Denver this Shabbos, and if I have a chance, I want to go visit my friends, the Schwabs, who are the grandchildren. And it could be, if I can, I'll try and ask. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they have a Messar in their family. How did his grandfather say it? Because it's very hard to know just from a written description, even though it's very, very clear. He says, one should concentrate on the thought that he is surrounded on all sides by revelations of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right, so four is the whole world, is space. The word, the letter Dalid is also like the Maharal way of classically always describing Dalid. Is the letter Dalid is a is two axes meaning, right? It's an axis this way, meaning it's a description of space, physical space, okay, area. So Hashem is uniquely one throughout existence. Hashem relates to me personally. I feel that in the Ches, and He completely surrounds me. I feel that in the Dalid. He is uniquely one in existence. He relates to me personally and completely surrounds me. That's Aleph, Ches, Dalid. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only true existence. Everything exists only because of his will. And this is something I can visualize whenever 
visualization helps me with those words to get there. And like I said, that's how I spelled out the word echad to help me. This is really a summary of the Pasuk, you should know it today, and place it firmly upon your heart, that Hashem is the Lord. In the heavens above, and on the earth below. That's Aleph, Ches, Dalet. Okay, and that is what I summarized over here in short, so to speak. Kind of short-ish, less. All right. Um, so maybe I'll take this opportunity for just a minute and I'll jump ahead to this one. This is, I saw this in a book of um, Rav Eisman. That's why I cited it here. It's quoted by Rav Moshe Eisman in A Listening People. I think it's also very possible that he translated it and he, he always translates things so beautifully. And this is that idea of echod, which is that avoda that we call yichud hashem, which is pretty much done through Kabbalah Smalchus Shemayim. And this is what it sounds like when you are thinking yichud. I am at peace, relaxed and unafraid, like a child nursing from its mother. I forgot to go back and find the pasuk. It's based on a pasuk tale. Thus said David, king of Israel, surrounded on all sides by enemies, plagued by the most devastating tragedies within his own family, a man burdened by sorrows beyond bearing. He was at peace, relaxed and unafraid. It doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It means he wasn't stressed by the fact that it hurt. It does hurt. You could tell by reading to Helen <laughs> that he suffered. But he, the suffering did not cause him to fear for the future. He knew the secret of Yichud. He knew that nothing, nothing at all can or will happen that is not willed by God. So if whatever is happening to you, you have an awareness. This is a hard thing to achieve, but it is possible. We can. It's not just for David HaMelech. If we get, and we're meant to work on this twice every day so that we can have it because it's the most precious thing we've got is the feeling that I am totally, there is Hashem and he is all powerful and above all else. And he is relating to me personally and totally surrounding me. There is no reality around me that is not actually the reality he is providing. Reality is what he is providing to me now. So I'm cradled by that. I'm surrounded by that. I'm cocooned by that. And maybe that cocoon looks like his son who rebelled against him and tried to kill him. And and his the, Shaul HaMelech, who he so respected and loved and valued and never resented because he knew that Shaul wasn't in control of himself, that it was a, a psychiatric punishment from Hashem to Shaul. He, he got it that it wasn't personal, but it still hurt. But he understood that this whole situation around him is the situation Hashem is bundling him in. Nothing happens or will happen that isn't willed by God. Now, if you are perfectly safe in the hands of Hashem, that doesn't mean you're sure you'll live out the day. It means there's nowhere you'd rather be because you know that he has total control and he completely loves you. And he only does that which is best for you. 
When all of that is deeply felt inside and known, then no place for questions, none for complaints. Not because, how dare you question, how dare you complain. There is no place in your heart for questions and complaints because you have total confidence and trust in the driver. And you would not wish to take over the steering wheel. Right? Rabbi Orlowick says, I don't know where you're taking me, God, but I know it's somewhere good. That mantra has stood me through all kinds of things because I need to be reminded. I don't just necessarily automatically default to this. But that has stood me well because I don't know where you're taking me acknowledges the fact that there's a challenge here. But I know it's somewhere good. If I knew all the information, I would choose this. Happens to be I don't know, so it's difficult for me to choose into it. All, all is willed by God, only by God. There is none other. We are in his hands, in his hands alone. No questions, no complaints, no worries. That's not instructions. That's how you know you're there in that moment. In that moment, when you feel there actually are no questions, no complaints, and no worries, that is Yehud. When there are questions, you've got to ask them. Just saying. All right. The first Pasuk of Kriyashma, if you say, uh, sorry, I went out of order here. Hilchos Kriyashma. One who hears the Tzibor saying Kriyashma, even if he already said it that day. So, okay, in my house, we actually have a shul in the house. So it's entirely possible for me to say Shema upstairs and then come down. You know, I'm like taking care of the kids and come downstairs and I happen to come into the room and the kahal is saying Kriyashma. Okay, it can also happen in a shul or there's two minyanim or I don't know, whatever the reason. So you hear the Tzibor saying Kriyashma. Even if you already said Kriyashma, that they tzarech likro itam. Pasuk Rishon. You have to say the first Pasuk together with the Kahal. Velomar itam kvod. And you should also say along with them, Baruch Shem Kvod. Okay, it is not appropriate that the Jewish people are saying, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, there's one person who was like off doing his own thing. Oh yeah, not me. Okay, I get, we get it. You already said Shema. Nonetheless, that's something that's so important, the testimony of it. We said it's like got a testimonial act, aspect. You join in. V'im Kural Kvar. If you already said it, so it would be, really, it's, it's best if you could say the whole Shema with them. And you would get the schar of learning Torah for saying the Shema, plus you support that Shema. But really, the basic halacha is the first Pasuk and Baruch Shem. You don't have to sit down and say the whole Shema. There are those who hold you'd have to say the whole Shema with the Tzibor if you happen to be there. But I, I don't think halacha l'maysa, that's, that's what we really say. Uh, th- that's what we would advise. You don't have to do that. Um, and that's, by the way, even if you didn't say yet, you have to do this. Now that's bizarre because it's a really serious problem if you haven't said and you're learning Torah. Turns out it's an even more serious problem to just stand by while people are saying Shema and you're not in there with them. Hakari below Kavana one who reads the first Pasuk without Kavana, lo yatsa yedei chovaso v'chayav lachazor ulekoro. You did not fulfill the mitzvah shema, you have to go back and say it again. At least that Pasuk, I don't know, it doesn't say over here, so you have to ask a rabbi. I don't think you have to say the whole shema again, you have to say that Pasuk again. Gemar and brachos, kolakari kriya shema. 
<coughs> whoever reads Kriyashma, umedaktek beosiyoseha, and is meticulous with the letters, metzonim lo gehenim. Gehenim is cooled off for him. Doesn't promise to spare you, but I think cooling off would also be pretty good. Okay, now we know that uh, we hope none of us will go to Gehenna, but we also know none of us is perfect. So we expect it is, po- it is within the realm of possibility that there's some, some cleanup that will be required on our way to Olam Haba. The fact that Kriyashma, being careful with the letters, meticulous in saying Kriyashma, kind of solves all that or eases everything up that we, else we've done, that's a pretty powerful thing. I mean, I, th- I don't think it's like... Uh, Wonder magic pill. I think the point is that somehow this addresses the issues, right? In the Kabbalah Smalcha Shemayim, we're addressing the issues that led us wrong in the first place. So that does ease it up. It's proper to read Shema with careful emphasis from a sitter, meaning you see the words. Allowing your ears to hear the words coming out of your mouth. That doesn't mean anybody else's ears have to hear the words coming out of your mouth, but your ears should. Musan, every word complete. not swallowing letters. and emphasizing correctly the difference between letters with a dagesh and without bays vays pei fei. what if you read Shema and you didn't hear it with your ears? What you were saying or you were not super careful with the letters, you were, in fact, you, you still kept the mitzvah after the fact, on condition that the words did leave your lips. Okay? I, I assume the halach is different for someone who actually can't speak. The words do have to leave your lips. If they didn't quite make it to your ears, okay, do better tomorrow, but at least they got to leave your lips. <laughs> Okay. Um, technically, it's nine o'clock. I just want to think before I start another little mini section because I don't want to go too far over. You know what? I'm going to do a, just a couple points here. Then um, on the word echad, The word echad, kind of in the way we did the olive ches and dalid. Okay, so the word echad, the gematria is 13. This is kind of a popular Devar Torah. Nonetheless, awesome for that. Okay, which is the same gematria as ahava, love. Okay, ahava is 1525, which is 13. Echad is 184. Okay, so now that we know about the yichud, it makes total sense that the echad, the, the, the oneness, is the loveness. They, they are one and the same. Um, and we indicate that at the bracha, meaning the words right before we say Shema, are lahodos lecha uliachedcha be'ahava. To thank you and to be meyached with love. The oneness is the loveness. If you have echad, okay, liachedcha, that's echad, that's 13. Be'ahava, ahava, that's also 13. Okay, but it's two sides of it. The echad, which is, and the ahava, 
That's 26. That's Shem Havaya, Yudin He and Vavin He, which is the name that we are being Meyached, Leached Chabahava, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echod. We are referring to our love of Hashem and his love for us. And that is, if we could pare the world down to its essence, that's what we would have at the core. That's the core of it. Olam chesed yibon, Hashem creates the world with love. That's ultimately, if you pare everything down, you have Hashem pouring his love to us in the world and to us as each individual and our love that we reach back toward him. There are 13 midos of Rachman. So there are 13, there's an expression of love that can be described as Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, Vichanun, Erechapai, meaning the, the midos, the aspects that we can see, the, the, inter, the different forms of interaction that are revealed to us of Hashem toward this world. That's another way of saying Hashem loves the world. His interaction with the world is Hashem loving the world. And to kind of tie that up, and we'll close off for today, to tie that up with what we talked about last week, Echod, so we have that Aleph, that's the oneness, that's difficult to contemplate, that's Hashem, and we have the Chesdalit, which is another 12, 8 and 4. That's the unity of the 12, of the 12 Shvatim. That unity of Yosef and his brothers, the unity of Hashem's Shechina in the midst of the 12, there's different ways we refer to it. It's Yaakov and the 12. It's the 13 tribes, right? Menashe and Ephraim with Yosef as the one who holds them together. That's why he had the colored coat because he was a little bit of everybody. It's the pulling together. So just to finish, um, I'll just show you. it's on the, the source sheet from last week. So we actually have it here. I just want to share. This is part of a <laughs> yet another astounding essay by Rav Hirsch. This is Chorev in a chapter charmingly called Falsehood, Lying, Flattery, and Hypocrisy, which I'm not sure I ever would have brought myself around to read if not for the fact that two Shavuos ago, Rabbi Apter in our shul taught, uh, spoke about MS, speaking truth and falsehood, and I wanted to look something up about the falsehood, and I discovered like this amazing thing. Okay, so this is just one paragraph of it, but it's a fundamental concept. Just as God has endowed the human mind with the faculty of mirroring the reality of its owner's external world, because you see things, but then your brain has to interpret them to create that inner image of it, or you hear things, same thing. So also has he given him the faculty of revealing to others the reality as known to him by means of his language. This is referred to in Rashi and Barashas at the creation of mankind as Hashem gave him Dea and Dibur. We have Das, we have the ability to understand the world around us, and Dibur, we have the ability to speak about it. And thus, the individual can live not only according to his own experience, but the whole of mankind can cooperate for the improvement of the human mind. So we are supposed to learn from everything that happens to us to understand Hashem, to relate to him better, to understand ourselves better and how we can relate to Hashem and through our lives. But not only that, we can share that with other people and they can share it with us. So I don't only, I'm not only limited by my own experiences, as a dog might be, I can actually learn from the experiences of everybody I meet. 
and I can become a sort of a, an uber-human, <laughs> right? If the human being is this creature that can learn from its experiences, and I can learn not only from my own experiences, but from experiences of other people, I can sort of contain within myself experience of more than one person, maybe of hundreds of people or thousands of people. The individual can inherit the spiritual treasure of all mankind, and by becoming richer in truth, that's truth, <laughs> also become richer in justice and lead a life of action instead of a life of mere experience. In such a manner, by means of that supreme blessing, meaning the blessing of Dea and Debor, God has knitted together the community of man with the vital thread of love. We have something to give each other, which is the benefit of our experience, and has ordained that man should rely on his brother for the spiritual good, namely truth.